everybody, and welcome back to Positive Politics. I'm so excited to finally be able to start sharing things with you guys. In this episode, I'll be explaining why I'm so worried about our political atmosphere and the polarization going on right now. Because, you see, when I express my views to my my friends and my families, they all are like, Ashwin, you're over-exaggerating. Ashwin, don't worry. Ashwin, you're getting too stressed out about this. Like, this is the way politics goes. They act like I'm naive about what is actually going on. But it is actually not. We are not living in a normal time right now. This bitter partisanship has gone to new extremes in recent years, and we must not ignore that. No, we need to understand how we got to this point. And to do that, we have to talk about the root causes of all the division, our political parties. Alright, before we continue, I would like to give a brief disclaimer saying once again that I am not trying to make one party feel be more appealing than another, and also that I am making broad generalizations about each party. And by that I mean, obviously, not every Democrat thinks the same, and not every Republican thinks the same, but this is just in generics how the culture has kind of got it. So let's begin with some history and rewind a bit. Our founding fathers, believe it or not, actually did not want political parties to form in the first place. Because they feared it would lead to this thing called factions. In Federalist Paper Number 10, James Madison defined faction as, quote, a number of citizens, whether amounting to a majority or minority of the whole, who are united and actuated by some common impulse of passion or of interest, adverse to the rights of other citizens, or to the permanent and aggregate interest of the community as a whole, end quote. Imagine a faction as an interest group with the intent of overpowering another group of people or the entire community as a whole. And you see, this threatens the entire American experiment as the whole purpose of the revolution was to establish a government that represents all people, not just some people. And don't get me wrong, Madison was cognizant of this risk and relieved that the Constitution would stop this from happening by establishing federalism, where we'd have a strong federal government that has power over the smaller state governments, and each state government would have power over their local governments respectively. With this setup, he reasoned that it would give the people the power and the opportunity to suppress and limit factions to the local level, and not allow them to make its way up to the national government. However, our founding fathers did not anticipate large widespread political parties from forming that could gain national traction and form a national majority. And that's exactly what happened. Just after Washington's presidency, the Federalists, who believed in big government and was centered in the northeastern states, were pitted against the Democratic Republicans, who were in the South and believed in a smaller federal government and more power for the states. So, fast forward to 2019, where we have these two giant political parties, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. Surprisingly, these two parties are fundamentally divided on the same, in, same generic issue as 200 years ago, the power of the federal government. The current Democratic Party takes more of the Federalist role and believes in a bigger federal government that is more involved in our daily lives. And the current Republican Party believes in limiting the power of federal government and leaving more decisions to the state and local governments, kind of the approach of the Democratic Republican Party back then. And this really is the backbone of the disagreement between the two sides in terms of how they approach each issue at hand. This particularly manifests in one of the biggest issues is the economy. 
Republicans view our economy from a fiscally conservative point of view in that they want to cut taxes and reduce spending on social services. They fundamentally argue that a big government with a lot of money is inefficient in distributing the wealth back to people and the citizens do not get as much back from the government as they are giving to the government. They also heavily prioritize the prosperity of businesses and corporations. They believe that if they keep costs low and deregulate businesses, then it will ultimately lead to more investment, therefore more jobs. It is the idea that wealth will trickle down to all people. For example, they are against raising the middle minimum wage, which has become a hot, uh, contested topic right now, arguing that it will increase costs of, for businesses and will ultimately result in them firing workers. They also argue this form of government from a moral point of view, arguing that businesses and that people work hard for the money they earn and that the government does not have the right to take large portions of it away. So, in general, they're just prioritizing individual freedom and wanting to limit the government's power, national government's power, as much as possible to make sure that balance is still there. On the other hand, Democrats view our economy from a more big government point of view in that they believe that it's the government's job to take care of its citizens and that they want to raise taxes, particularly on the wealthy, and then use that money to redistribute the wealth back to lower income citizens through government services and uh, payments, etc. They want to increase regulations on corporations and businesses and reject the idea of trickle-down economics, arguing that tax breaks on wealthy corporations often result in the wealthy keeping more money and not spending it back on society. They just support labor unions and are in favor of increasing the minimum wage. They also argue this form of government is from a moral point of view as well, arguing that the rich business owners are not just compensate are not justly compensating my bad workers with enough money and benefits, so that it is the job of the government to mandate them to do that. They reason that a pure capitalist system ultimately leads to extreme inequality, and that government needs to be involved to stop capitalism from running amok. And see, these are perfectly, two perfectly valid, acceptable opinions that we can have a reasoned discussion about and have a really good conversation about. In sum, the crux of the debate, ideologically-wise, between the two sides comes down to this. Constantly uh, reinforcing the balance of individual rights and freedoms and the collective society and the will of the people. Republicans will say, we need more of prioritization of the individual rights and freedoms right now. And Democrats will pull and ask for more of a government that represents the collective uh, society and one that represents the will of the people. And the constant back and forth is the ideological basis of the two parties in terms of passing policy. This ideological difference can also manifest itself into some other social issues, which I'll address in future episodes. But I feel like now we are not really even talking about the economy or the strict merits of the ideological issues anymore. Um, We're talking about all these other issues And I do firmly believe that on a lot of these other issues, there is not a difference in ideology between Republicans and Democrats, but more so, the parties have taken positions in order to appeal to their strong bases. There's not inherently Republican in principle and doctrine about those that want to ban immigration right now. There's not inherently Democratic about those who want to remove the Second Amendment. And that is what I feel that has become so dangerous. The basic ideologies of government of both the Democratic and the Republican parties are both ones that should be looking to improve America as a whole. 
and they're proposing their two arguments. We want big government, that's going to improve America as a whole. Or do we want small government, and that's going to improve America as a whole. But now, with the extreme right gaining more traction, specifically after 2016, with the Republicans and now the extreme left starting right now to gain more traction with the Democrats, it seems as if these parties are being more focused on appealing to a specific group of people in order to stay in power. In fact, some Republicans have actually gone against their ideology of small government to appeal to their base, and vice versa. Some Democrats have gone against their ideology of big government to appeal their base. You see, I genuinely believe that the moderates from both parties actually agree with each other on gun violence, abortion, climate change, immigration, but have been pushed to the fringes by these tribalistic extremists. There are some Republicans that agree with the left on certain issues and vice versa, but the problem is they are not speaking and seeking that common ground anymore and sticking it, putting it back based on the issues and instead falling into this polarized environment where insults and demonization and you're either with us or against us mentality has completely taken over. Now, for those who think this culture in Washington did not just appeared out of thin air, that's just wrong. It, it did come from us. We're the ones that gave root to this. It trickled up from the culture to our dinner tables. We started to become more extreme with one another and inconsiderate to each other's viewpoints. We, the people, have become impatient with our government and blaming all the problems in the world on the other side and saying, oh yeah, that administration's why stuff is going bad right now. That's why things are going bad. And because our government officials want to stay in power the whole way they stay in power is if the people like them. So if the people become interned in these tribalistic extremists, then of course the government will reflect that now. And now they're actually feeding on that passion and hatred. And some of them are actually encouraging it because it's going to help them stay in power longer. As annoying as it may sound and as inconvenient as it may sound and how much you guys may not want to hear it, we the people need to be the ones to force the politicians to change. If we start getting more value to external candidates that want to seek bipartisanship regarding nonpartisan issues, then... The culture in Washington will change because now they will know that this is actually what the people want. We need to bring back the values of strong leadership that seek to unite rather than divide. And our politicians are never going to reflect that unless we show them that we care about it. Therefore, my best advice is to analyze the competing ideologies. See which one you lean towards and then vote based on the candidate's plans and virtue, not the party he or she represents. We must force our politicians to vote on decisions because they generally believe it is the best for all Americans. And that's what we should hold them up to. Not the best for the certain group they want to support. And I do understand the reality of the situation and the, the argument that because we do not live in a direct democracy, we need to vote for a candidate to represent us and our beliefs. And political parties that represent these widespread beliefs are a good ways of holding our elected officials accountable. But we also have to recognize that there's a fine line with this and that our representative democracy was actually established to stop mob rule from occurring and winners ruling over the losers. While elected officials can lean towards certain people, their job is still to represent the entire constituency. And that system is what counteracts groups of people demanding their way every single time. They need to be the wise ones, the with a level head, the ones to be a little bit more methodical and think things through and not act on impulse and really think about their decisions and their policy and how that could affect everyone, not just the people who got them into office. So while it is good to vote for policymakers that are similar to us, 
we also need to understand that there is a fine line to where we can push. And then at the end of the day, we do not always have to get our way, nor should we always get our way. Our country is so diverse and represents so many different people. If I always got my way, then that shows that there is a problem with democracy. That shows there's a problem with the system that I can overbear against another group of people. All these their diverse opinions need to counteract one another to prevent one from oppressing the other. That's the beauty of our great republic. And that is why we cannot and should not get too caught up in political parties and the strict party discipline. Because if we allow the Republican Party to only represent one group of people that is adverse to the one group of people that the Democratic Party represents and fall into these really obvious, distinct, polarized tribes, then our political parties will actually turn into those violent factions Madison and the rest of the Founding Fathers feared. And that would really be failing our Founding Fathers and the Constitution and everything we fought for to establish this country. So, that's my soapbox for today. Next, uh, subscribe to the channel and stay tuned for more episodes. Bye.